Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. Hey, uh, I'm excited to be here this morning. And as many of you guys know, Pastor Jude and Becky are on a sabbatical. I hope that you've been praying for them. And man, we're just excited that they're having an opportunity to get away, to rest and to recharge. But hey, this summer, we are not getting like shortchanged at all. How good was Jude Jr. last Sunday? Did you guys, were you guys here last Sunday for Jude Jr.? If you don't know, uh, that's Pastor Jude and Becky's oldest son, and he and his wife pastored a church in Vacaville, the Father's House, which is actually a covering church for us. And man, it was incredible to have them. Next week, we have Jake Fuquay, who's their youngest son. He preached at Forward Conference this weekend in Atlanta. The week after that, we have Nathan Finocchio coming in to speak. The week after that, we have Benny Perez. The week after that, we have Dr. Mike Maiden. It's gonna be a packed summer. So you guys excited about the summer at City Church? So... It's definitely not the time to take off. It's the time to lean in. And uh, I'm excited to get a chance to share God's word with you today. Do you have your Bible with you? Why don't you go ahead and grab your Bible. And something you'll hear us say all the time here at church is uh, bring a Bible and bring a friend. And if you didn't bring a friend, it's too late for that. But go ahead and grab your Bible and make plans to bring a friend next weekend. Uh, but grab your Bible, and, uh, and the reason we encourage you to bring your Bible, we, we definitely provide the scripture up on the screen as well, but we want you to be comfortable and be in the habit of opening your Bible, seeing the scripture for yourself so that you can do this Monday through Saturday. Amen? You guys agree with that? So grab your Bible. I want you to go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And this is, uh, we have one verse here. I'll read a few extra scriptures later in the message, but this is our scripture today. We're gonna chew on it. We're gonna eat it. We're gonna try to get everything out of it that we're supposed to have. Galatians chapter five, are you there? All right, verse one, and this is our verse. It says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I'm gonna read that again. And if you're taking notes in your Bible, I would highlight it, write a note, underline it, something like that. This is what it says. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Hey, let's pray together today. Lord, we thank you for your word. And we know that it is living and active and has power. And so God, I pray that as we lean into it for the next few moments, I pray that we would be changed and challenged in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Hey, we have uh, many of our church family who are joining us online today. So if you're in the room, would you let everyone online know that you're excited that they're joining with us today? Freedom uh, is an incredible thing. Anybody a fan of freedom in the room? Anybody a fan of freedom? Hope so. You're American, you know, freedom. Uh, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And actually in a week, a little, little, just a little more than a week, a week from tomorrow, we'll celebrate the freedom uh, anniversary of our nation. We call it Independence Day when uh, we gained our freedom and liberation from another. So freedom is not just something that we learn to love. Actually, freedom is kind of baked into the DNA of people though, right? So like from the earliest of ages, you crave and desire, you're wired to want 
freedom. And so, you know, I have kids who are from the ages of, you know, 22 months up to 13. I pastor young adults. I am an adult. I have parents. I, listen, I've seen everybody loves freedom. I was talking with uh, Zach, who's our media director the other day, and he's telling me, he's like, man, I'm so excited. My, my daughter, Olivia, she's just about to start crawling. She's like doing that thing, you know, she gets up on her hands and knees and she's kind of rocking a little bit, like she's just about ready to lunge. And I said, well, it's cute and all, but just wait. Once she starts crawling, like there's no more sitting on the couch and just chilling because once she learns how to move, she's gone. She's going everywhere. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like toddlers, uh, little kids, they just want to go wherever they want. We took our kids out to eat the other night and we asked ourselves the same question every time we go out. Why did we do this? <laughs> my, my, my almost two-year-old, she does not want to stay. She wants to go. She wants freedom. She wants to go wherever she wants to go. I have older kids. I have twin eight-year-olds. And what, what are those age grade? They just want to eat as much candy as they want to eat. They want to, they want to do what they want to do. How about middle schoolers? They want to stay up as late as they want to stay up. Then you get to high school. I want to stay out as late as I want to stay out. Then you get to young adults and I want to go and travel wherever I want to go without the restriction of a J-O-B. You know, like I just want to go and do my, I don't, no restrictions. I want freedom. Then you're an adult, right? And then you just want to buy and eat whatever you want without any restrictions. I'm a parent and parents know this. We just want everyone to leave us alone, right? <laughs> That's the freedom I want. Like tomorrow, I'm already wearing this, this shirt right now because I'm thinking about tomorrow. Tomorrow, my wife and I go on our 10 year anniversary trip. And, uh, and we were supposed to go in April. Then my wife had back surgery and we had to push it back. And I thought there is no God. You know, when that happened, I thought, God, you have abandoned me. But tomorrow we go on vacation. Why? Because we want freedom. My kids are asking us, they're like, what are you guys gonna do on vacation? And I said, well, first of all, when you get older, you won't ask me that question. Uh, but second of all, we're, we, we're gonna do nothing. They're like, are you gonna go like rock climbing? Are you gonna go? I'm like, no, I'm gonna sleep. I'm gonna sleep and I'm gonna turn my phone off and I'm gonna eat dinner in silence. It's gonna be fantastic. Freedom, freedom, freedom. You see, many people never actually experience freedom. And those who never receive freedom, or many people who receive freedom, misunderstand what freedom actually is. And of course, now I'm really taking a turn and I'm beginning to speak about spiritual freedom. That's what we're talking about today. It's sad to imagine and sad to understand that many people will will be born, live their entire life and die never receiving a spiritual freedom. It's sad, right? Which is why as the church, we should be motivated, people who have been set free, to let people know that they also can be free. But what's also sad is when believers have been set free, but live like they haven't been set free because they actually don't know what they've been set free from. Uh, to give an example, years ago, I was at a doctor's uh, appointment and I was sitting in the waiting room and I was reading one of their incredible magazines. They have the worst magazines, the doctor's office. Anybody work in doctor's office? Help us out. Uh, but I was flipping through this magazine and I saw this article and it said, how to train an elephant. And I thought, that's interesting. And I began to read and it said, you know, in the circus, have you ever wondered how they get these giant creatures to obey these little people? And I thought, I have wondered that before. So I continued to read. And this is what it says of what they do when they have a baby elephant, just like a six month old elephant, they'll take it away from the mother and they'll, and they'll wrap a really powerful chain around it and then tie the other end of that chain to a 10 foot iron rod 
rod that's been driven all the way down into the ground. And so this thing is fortified and secure and that baby elephant will rage against it and pull against it and fight and fight and fight and fight. But of course the baby elephant's not gonna be able to get away from the captivity that it's been put in. And eventually what happens, that elephant, that baby elephant will learn that it cannot get away. 10 years later, this elephant is full grown. It's strong enough to knock over trees and move boulders. But yet all you have to do is throw a light rope around its neck and just loop it over to a little wooden stake in the ground. And that elephant's not going anywhere. Why? Because inside it believes that it does not have the power to break free from where it is, even though it has all the power that it needs to break free. Many people live like these grown elements. Now, there was a time, let's be clear, where every one of us was like that baby elephant, where we were chained and we were bound to something that we were never gonna break free from on our own. But because of the grace of Jesus Christ, he came and he liberated us and he set us free from that bondage. And until we get, and hear me, I want everyone to hear this, everyone online, everyone in the room, until you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and you put your hope and your trust in him, you are like that elephant bound to something that is stronger than you that you will not be ever able to liberate yourself from. But Christ has come and he has set us free. And unfortunately, there are still believers who live like that grown elephant. You have the power to break free, but you live like you do not. Jesus said that you will know the truth and that the truth will set you free. But you have to know what that truth is and what that truth means. Otherwise, you will live like you are not. Amen? So I wanna preach a message this morning titled Set Free. Everyone say Set Free. Okay, I'm gonna give you the thesis of this message. I'm gonna give you the, the synopsis, the cliff notes. When you sit down at lunch today with someone who wasn't at church and they say, what was church about? You're gonna sound so smart because you can summarize the whole message right here. You ready for this? Actually, I'm gonna ask them to put it on the screen. This is, this is the big idea today. Christ has set us free from who we used to be for who we're called to be. I'm, I'm gonna say it again. Christ has set us free. Everyone say from from who we used to be, now everyone say for, for who we are called to be. We have been set free. Galatians chapter five, verse one, we read it together. Paul gets up and he makes this incredible, bold declaration. What does he say? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. What's Paul's bold declaration? Hey, Christ has set us free. I love it. Paul didn't send out a poll. Paul didn't send out a tweet to see what the responses would be. He didn't gather a focus group to see if this would be you know, received well or not. He didn't do a test audience. He didn't ask for your testimony. He didn't see if you feel free because if you feel free, then maybe you are free. No, Paul comes out with a declaration and makes an announcement. Hey, I want you to know you have been set free. Anybody thankful for that? I love the definitive answer. I love the definitive declaration. He didn't say good news. I just found out Christ can set you free. That would be good news, but that's not what he said. How about this? He didn't even say Christ can. And guess what good news he promised? He will set you free. No, no, no. He said Christ has set you free. And it wasn't ourselves that did it. It wasn't our parents that did it. It wasn't our pastor who did it. Christ has set you free. 
And here's good news. Anybody who puts their hope and their trust in Jesus Christ and chooses to follow him as the Lord of their life has been set free. But what does it mean? Because we can celebrate and we can cheer that we've been set free. But it's important that you know what that means that you've been set free. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a statement and I believe that this is true. If you don't know the implications of your freedom, you will not experience the reality of that freedom. I'm gonna say that again. If you don't know the implications of the freedom you've received, you won't experience the reality of the freedom that you've been given. Here's an, have you ever been driving a car? Uh, you, you got a new car and you're, you're driving that car and you've been enjoying it for months. You love the way it rides. You love the way it feels. You love the way it looks. And then somebody gets in one day and they're like, oh, that's so cool. You have heated seats. And you're like, what? <laughs> I have heated seats. You have heated, you've had heated seats. Are you kidding me? You know, these also cooled. These are cooled seats. Are you telling me I have been driving sweaty and cold this whole time and I, I didn't need to be? No, you didn't need to be. Why? I didn't understand the implication of the car I had bought. Therefore, I wasn't living in the reality of what it offered me. How about this? I love those. And when I'm scrolling through Instagram and it's just like, oh, five, you know, iPhone hacks that you didn't know that you had. And I look, I'm like, I have had an iPhone for 10 years and I've been deleting my emails all wrong this entire time. Did you know that you can just put two fingers and swipe down all those spams and they just go right away? I've been like selecting individually and swiping across it. Man, I've saved so much time. I didn't realize the implication of the iPhone that I had until somebody told me, and this is the same way with freedom. There's many people who have been given freedom, but you don't know the implication of it. And so you've been living without the reality of that freedom in your life. Anybody want to live with the reality of the freedom that Christ has offered you? It means something to be free. And so according to Galatians chapter five, verse one, we see that freedom, according to Paul in this scripture, really means two important things for the believers. And we're going to talk about those today. Number one is this. The first thing that it means that we've been set free is that we have been set free from. Everyone say set free from. There you go. I didn't really give you a good explanation, <laughs> teaching on how to do that. Say from. from. We have been set free from. From what? Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So what have we been set free from? According to Paul in Galatians 5.1, that we're not supposed to go back again to a yoke of slavery, meaning that we have been set free from a yoke of slavery. In other translations, it says a bondage. And this is who we used to be. He says, Christ has set you free from who you used to be, which was yoked to slavery. This is what we used to have. And so we could ask the question and, and we'll ask it first and I'll answer it more so later, but what is a yoke? I'll, I'll respond to that question a little bit more later in the message, but let's just say in essence, it's what binds you to something. It's what binds you to something. So when Paul says that we have been set free from a yoke of slavery, he's saying that we have been set free from something that we were bound to. And that yoke of slavery speaks of two things, the, the, the bondage of sin, but also the burden of the law. Let's talk about that just for a second. We've been set free from the bondage of sin. Now I want you to look at Romans chapter six, verse 20. You can go there in your Bible if you'd like, or you can just look at it on the screen. But this is what Paul says to the church in Rome when he's writing to them in chapter six. He says, when you were slaves to sin, 
you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, the things that end in eternal doom. He says, you were a slave to sin. And when you were a slave to sin, you didn't have the obligation to do right. Why? You didn't even really have the choice to do right because you were bound to sin. And then he says, as a result of that sin, what was the effect? What was it? Well, the result was you are filled with shame and ultimately it leads to death. And so here's a reality that every believer needs to face. And actually, in fact, to put your faith in Christ, you need to understand this truth to begin with. That at one time, every one of us was a slave to sin. We were bound to it. We were yoked to it. Later in Galatians 5, Paul begins to describe what a life being bound to sin looks like. It says it's sexual immorality. It's impurity. It's lustful pleasures. It's idolatry. It's sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, and drunkenness. Paul's not pulling any punches. He says, this is what a life is given to if you are enslaved or bound to sin. This is the product. This is the fruit. This is the result. And so we, we had a, pre, uh, a sin predisposition coming into life. That means we didn't have to learn how to be sinful. That means we didn't have to take a class. We didn't have to be transformed to, to, to be sinful. We had a bend towards this. I mentioned a moment ago, I have a, an almost two-year-old and nobody taught her how to be selfish. She's just naturally that way. Mine, 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 mine. I promise she didn't learn that from me. At least I hope she didn't learn that from me. She's got a predisposition to that. And that was the way every one of us were before Christ. We, we were bound to this. And so that's why I think truly as believers, we can be grieved, but we shouldn't be shocked when we turn on the news and find out that the world is being the world. Why are we so surprised by this? Why are we shocked that the world is doing crazy things? They're bound to it. It's something that they're under the control of, under the slavery of. It's something we should expect to see in the earth and from the world. And so there is a sin that we were bonded to. And when there's sin, there's also effects of sin. And that's also, that, what is that? That's the law of sin and death. Meaning that when you are bound to a sin action, you are also going Going to be subjected to whatever that sin brings along with it. Romans 6.21 says it brings with it shame and then ultimately death. What are some of the results of sin in the life of the world or even in the life of a believer? It's depression, it's sickness, it's immorality, it's temptation, it's brokenness, it's addiction, it's anxiety, hopelessness, fear, shame, ultimately death. And so we were at one time before Christ set us free, we were subjected to those things. We had no hope. We were not getting out of it. We were bound to it and there was nothing we can do. And that is what makes the gospel such good news because we could not get out of it ourselves. Jesus came and he did it for us. Paul makes the announcement again. Good news church. Christ has set us free from the yoke of slavery in the bondage of sin. 
This is amazing. We offer an opportunity every weekend for you to put your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ. And we always say this, this is an amazing thing. This is a mysterious thing. Somehow through God's great grace, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and that means when we confess our need for salvation through Jesus, and we believe by faith that he died and rose again, and we make a decision to make him the Lord of our life, meaning that we're following him instead of ourselves, in that moment, we are set free from the bondage of sin that we were bound to and we could never free ourselves from. Jesus paid the full price for your freedom and my freedom when he died on the cross and when he rose again. There's nothing left for him to do. The whole price has been paid, which is why Paul says Christ has, not can, not will, has set you free from a yoke of slavery. Romans 6, you were slaves to sin. And because you were a slave to it, because you were bound to it, you were not obligated to do right. But I love verse 22. Look at verse 22 in chapter 6. He says, but now, everyone say, but now. You were slave to sin and you had no obligation to do right. And the result of that sin in your life filled you with shame and it was leading you to death. Everyone say, but now. But now you are free from the power of sin and you have now become slaves of God, which means now you do the things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. We are free from the power of sin in our life. Someone say amen. Now, there's a little bit of a confliction even when I say that because you're saying, yes, I wanna believe it, but what about the sin that I still struggle with? What about the sin that still feels like it has control over my life? When we make the statement and when we read from God's word and when we trust by faith that what Paul said is true, that we have been set free from the power of sin, this does not mean that we don't face temptation. And this does not mean that we don't come up against resistance. And this does not mean that we will not still face trouble in this world. This just means very simply that it no longer has the power over you that at one time it had. You might still come up against it, but at one time you had no power to get away from it. Now you have the power to overcome it. So it does not mean that we are not faced with it. It does mean that it no longer has the power over you. It means that you are now like that growing elephant. The moment that you decide I'm done with this, you can yank that little wooden stake out of the ground and get moving on your way because you have been set free from the power of sin in your life. So I might still struggle and I might still face temptation and I might still fail, but my reality and my failure and my shortcoming does not change the truth that Christ has set us free from the power of sin, which means Jesus Christ has set me free from who I used to be. The yoke of slavery spoke of the bondage of sin, but it also spoke of the burden of the law. He said, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So do not let yourself once again come under the burden of the yoke of slavery. See, Paul is writing to the Galatians and this whole book of Galatians is a book, really the theme of it is freedom. And the reason he's writing to the Galatians is because the Galatians are a group of believers who have put their faith in the work of Jesus Christ, but have a deep heritage in trusting in the law when the law says that you have to work for your salvation. And so they've put their faith in Jesus, but now they're starting to try to bring elements of that old way of living into their 
their new faith. They're saying, we believe in the work of Jesus Christ, but we should also be circumcised. We believe in the way of Jesus Christ, but we also shouldn't eat this type of meat. We believe in the work of Jesus Christ, but we also need to do this because this is how we learn. And Paul was like, no, no, no. I gotta correct this way of thinking because either Jesus paid for it all or he didn't. Either Jesus has set you free or he didn't. And we need to recognize this reality right now. Galatians chapter three, so powerful, go read it. Essentially what he says in Galatians three is he says, if you are depending on your good works to be made righteous, you are still under the burden of the law. Because the law says that the only way you can be made righteous is if you obey the law perfectly. Well, you can't do it. And so you're gonna be completely burdened by the fact that you cannot measure up to what the law says you have to be. That doesn't mean the law is evil. It actually points to the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is to reveal our need for a savior in Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, if you're still depending on all works, you are being burdened by the law because you think that you are having to earn the righteousness that you have really been given. Now, here's the reality. Paul was writing to Galatians 2,000 years ago, but there's many believers still today that are burdened by the law. You might say, well, how do I know if I'm burdened by the law? I think this is a very easy test. If you are trying so hard to do what's right, and when you do what's right, you feel loved, you feel accepted, and you feel good. But on that day, when your best just isn't good enough and you fall short, your heart's low and you think things like, I'm just ashamed, I'm filled with guilt and I don't even know if God would receive me. If you are vacillating between your good days feeling great and your bad days feeling rejected, then you are still under the burden of the law because either Christ has done the work to accept you or he hasn't. Now, let me be clear. The, the, the law, it wasn't a bad thing. It was the, the purpose of it was point to Jesus. So as believers, we don't just live however we want and say, well, grace has got it and I'm not under the law anymore, so it's all gravy. No, 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 that's not the heart of someone who's really been redeemed by Jesus. The, the heart of a believer says this, I'm going to aim to do what's right and what's holy, but I'm not doing it so that I can be approved. I'm doing it because I already am approved. I'm not doing it for the approval of my father. I do it because I already have the approval of my father. It's not for, it's from this place. And so Paul is saying, I need you to know church that Christ has set you free from the power that sin had over your life and the burden that you were under. Sin doesn't have power over you anymore, and you don't need to work for the approval and the righteousness of Jesus. Christ Jesus paid the price and made the way for you. Someone say amen. So we have been set free from, but that's only part of it. Number two, we have also been set free for. Everyone say for. We have been set free from the bondage of sin, the burden of the law. That's the yoke of slavery but we also have been set free for. And what have we been set free for? Would you bring Galatians chapter one up onto the, onto the screen again? Galatians chapter five, sorry, verse one. It said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. So what does it say we've been set free for? Freedom, it says it. It is for freedom that we have been set free. What is freedom? We've been set free for it. 
So what is it? What's it look like? See, many believers don't know that they have freedom. But there are many more believers that know that they have freedom, but misunderstand what that freedom is for in their life. You see, in our Western culture, I think that we have challenges to the Christian faith because of the reality that we live in. Now, let me be clear. I'm not a hater on Western culture. I'm thankful for it. Uh, I'm not a basher of our country. I think it's the greatest country in the world. And I'm thankful for the freedom that we have that enable us to gather peacefully right here in this moment and worship freely. I'm thankful for freedom. But sometimes the freedom that we understand in the natural world convolutes our understanding of what freedom really means in scripture. And so this is the word picture I think many people get when you think of freedom. And I'm only gonna use this word picture because I grew up watching like, you know, teen movies in the early 2000s, right? Uh, I think the word picture for freedom is this, uh, you know, it's that last day of school and, and the camera pans across the room and all these high schoolers are sitting on the edge of their desk and they're, and they're waiting and it's so silent, you can hear the clock ticking, tick, tick. You guys, can you guys see it in your mind? It's ticking down and it's almost noon, tick, tick. They're all waiting anxiously and on the bell rings and suddenly it shoots to a camera outside the school and the doors bust open and papers are flying everywhere and binders are going across and for some reason the band's playing and the football team's still doing drills on the side and you're like, it's the last day of school. What are we doing right now? And they all run to their convertibles and their Jeeps and what are they all yelling? It's summer, it's summer. What does that mean? No more rules, no more tests, no more responsibility. No one can tell me what to do. It's at the beach all day. It's hanging out all night. Come on, we are free for the summer. I think sometimes the understanding of freedom in Christ, we convolute to think that freedom means no rules and no responsibility. But the freedom that Paul is talking about in Galatians chapter five, is this. It's the liberation, hear me, it's the liberation to be who God wants us to be and to do what God wants us to do. The freedom that Paul is reminding us that we have been given is the, he says, we have been liberated. We were once bound and we could not be obligated to do what's right because we were bound to sin. But now we have been liberated from that bondage so that we can be who Christ wants us to be and so that we can do what Christ wants us to do. See, the freedom that Jesus offers that Paul is talking about is what Matthew chapter 11, verses 28, 29, and 30 are talking about. Look at verse 28 in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and who are burdened, and I will give you rest. He's inviting you into a relationship. Come to me if you're weary. Come to me, all of you who are burdened. Who does that sound like? It sounds like the people that Paul was writing to when he says, don't go back to that yoke of slavery that burdened you. Hey, you've been set free. Don't go back to that life that burdened you, that made you weary. Why was Paul saying, don't go back to that place, that, that, that yoke of slavery that burdens you? Why? Because sin, sin is exhausting. Come on, can I get a witness? The effects of sin is exhausting. I, I, I'm, I'm, let me talk to just believers who are real for a second. Have you ever been through a season where just anxiety would not let up? 
where depression just seemed to be knocking at your door every time you open your eyes. Have you ever been addicted to something? Man, I'm, I'm set free. I give my life to Christ, but I, I'm, I'm trying to kick this thing. This thing is still nagging at me each day. I still keep getting angry. I feel like I'm getting triggered every time my wife says this to me or my kids do this. And, and you're, you're, you're kind of on this, 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 this hamster wheel and you're exhausted. Why? Because the yoke of slavery is burdensome. The burden of trying to earn your salvation and be loved and accepted by God. We have Christians today that are exhausted because you still think that you need to earn the love of Jesus. The yoke of slavery is exhausting. It will leave you weary. It will leave you burdened. And Jesus is saying, I'm telling you, if you are burdened, if you are weary, if you are still living under a yoke of slavery that I've set you free from, come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus is calling out two people here when he says, come to me. Those who have yet to be set free from sin and those who have forgotten that they've been set free from the, for the burden of the law. He's saying, come to me and I will set you free. I will give you rest. And then look what he said in the next scripture in verse 29. He says, okay, I'm about to give you some rest. Ready? Verse 29. Now take my yoke upon you. That's a little funny because the yoke is a, is, a, is a working tool. I thought we were gonna come to rest. I thought we were taking a nap, Jesus. And then he puts a farming tool on my back. Okay. <laughs> he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and I'm humble in heart. He says, you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love this. Who is he calling? He was calling to the weary and the burden. He says, my yoke is gonna be easy for the weary and it's gonna be light for the burdened. Come to me, you who have been bound by sin. You who continue to struggle under the weight of sin. You who continue to, to try to earn your salvation and earn your love and acceptance when I'm trying to offer it to you freely. Come to me. So what's Jesus saying? He's saying, come to me and I'm gonna take that yoke of slavery off of you. But I'm not just taking that yoke of slavery off of you so that you can roam free. I'm taking that yoke of slavery off of you so that I can put my yoke upon you. I wanna invite the band to come out this morning as we bring this to a close. I wanna make this statement and I believe this to be true. We were bound because of the yoke of sin, but we are free because of the yoke of Jesus. And I'm gonna explain this. We were bound because of the yoke of sin, but we are free because of the yoke of Jesus. What is a yoke? I mentioned earlier, it's in essence, it's something that binds you to something else, but I wanna bring some more clarity to it. See, the yoke was a, a farming tool. In an agrarian society like Paul was writing to, everyone would have known right away what he was referring to and certainly when Jesus said it. But a yoke was a farming tool for the purpose of connecting and linking together two ox or oxen to plow a field. You see, it was hard to plow a field, to pull the, the tools through that ground, to break up that fallow ground, to break up that hard crusted ground, to break it up and move. It was hard. So they would link two oxen together that they may share the burden of that responsibility of plowing the field. But more than just having them bear the responsibility, it was actually used as a way to train younger oxen how to plow a field. 
Because when two oxen are bound together, they cannot go in different directions. You see, a young oxen that doesn't know the way of plowing a field might begin in one direction, begin to veer off and go in another direction. Maybe the wind starts blowing or one side of his body starts getting more tired than the other and begins to drift off course when the lines were supposed to go in a right direction. But what they would do is they would yoke a younger, more immature, weaker ox to a more mature, stronger ox and they could not go in a different direction. And so that younger ox, that weaker ox would have no choice but to go in the way of the stronger ox. And so when Paul says, do not go back to the yoke of slavery, what was he saying? There was a time, sir, there was a time, ma'am, when you were yoked to something that was stronger than you. And that thing was called sin and that was called death. And it didn't matter how hard you pulled to the left or how hard you pulled to the right. It didn't matter if you tried to course correct, you were never gonna go the right way because that ox of sin and death was taking you in the wrong direction and you were bound to it. You were never going to get away from it yourself. But Jesus came in and he took the yoke of slavery off us. Look at this. Look at this. It gets better. He didn't just take the yoke of slavery off of us. He put his yoke upon us, which means that we're not just roaming free out in the field. We have been linked. We have been brought in. We have been bound to Jesus, who is the stronger ox. And so when it gets hard and I begin to veer to the left or I begin to become weary or burdened, the stronger ox pulls me forward and I stay going in the direction that God has called me to go. We have been yoked to Jesus. Christ did not set me free so that I can be whoever I want to be. Christ set me free so that I can be who he wants me to be. Remember the liberation, that the freedom that Paul is introducing to us it's not the freedom to do whatever we want. It's the liberation to finally be who God wants me to be and to do what God wants me to do. This is why the church is so important because there's a lot of secular organizations that are doing good work in the world, but that good work is not enough. You need the spiritual transformation that only comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the church can do good works in the earth and we should. And actually, I think in the next coming years and months, we need to step up our game to a whole nother level to be the church to a world that needs people to step up and be something for them. But we don't just do it in the effort of people. We do it because we're yoked to Jesus and we can finally be who God wants us to be because we've been liberated. You see, before Christ, I'm free to be who I wanna be. And that's called free will. And that's a beautiful thing. But after Christ, I'm free to be who he wants me to be, which is not free will, that's his will. Jesus modeled this for us when he was in the garden before he was gonna go to the cross. He had the free will to choose a different path, yet Jesus said, I know I have free will, but not my will be done, but yours be done in and through me. We have not just been set free from that which bound us. We have been set free to actually be the people that Christ has called us to be. And so if we're running in freedom, but it doesn't look like the way of Christ, that's not the freedom that Christ paid for. Christ paid for the freedom to actually be the people and the church that he established and brought us to be. So who does Christ want us to be? 
See, I think we're human beings before we're human doings and so we always need to start with the character before we try to start doing the right things. A lot of people doing good things but have bad character and therefore the good things they're doing always is short-lived. Who are we called to be? Who are we now free to be in Jesus? Well, we can start with the fruit of the Spirit. Who are we now free to be in Jesus? We can be loving. Oof. How about this? We can be joyful. Joy is a choice. Happiness is circumstantial. Happiness depends on what's happening around you. Joy is what you know because of what's going on inside of you. We can be filled with joy. How about this? Because we have been freed to be who Jesus wants us to be, we can be filled with peace even when the world is boiling over in chaos. How about this? We can be patient. Oh God, we can be patient. We can be. No, 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 hear me. We, you, can be, you can be patient. I, no, 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 I'm serious. You have been freed from an old way of thinking and old, I don't want to hear anymore. Well, this is just the way I've always, this is just the way my, no, 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 you've been freed. You've been set free from that predisposition to be angry all the time. You've been set free from that anxiety that has riddled your life and your mom's life and your grandmother's life. Come on, you've been set free from that bias, racist mindset. Come on, you've been set free from that old way of viewing life and world where you're the center of everything and everyone else and Jesus included is on the outside. You have been set free, not just from that, but to now be who Christ was and is in the earth. You can be patient. You can be kind. You can be good. Okay, let me change it. I can be kind. I can be good. We can be gentle. I love that Jesus describes himself as, as, as meek and gentle. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under control to be winsome for people. The church can be gentle and still be strong. How about this? We can be self-controlled. We can be filled with faith. We can be humble. We can be pure. I know Jesus is asking a lot, isn't it? What, what, what about some of the things he wants us to do? Hey, we can love our enemy. We can love our neighbor. How about this? We can take steps of faith. Listen, it doesn't take faith if you have all the answers and you have all the clarity. We can take steps of faith into the unknown and we don't know how it's all gonna work out. We can trust God with our finances. We can witness to our coworkers and our family members who don't know Christ. Come on, we can stand up for our faith on our campuses and in our workplaces and in the public square and on, on, on all of our, in all of the places that we have favor and all the places that we have influence. We can do those things and we can be what Christ called us to be. But it's hard. It's hard to do those things. But thank goodness we're yoked to the stronger ox. Thank goodness we're yoked to Jesus so that when we want to resist and slow down, Christ is saying, come on, you're yoked to me. Come forward with me. Come on, when, I, when, I, when, my, when my emotions, because of what's happening in the world and what I'm seeing on the news and what my family is saying and what my friends are saying and what my work is saying, when I wanna start going off course and I wanna start going this way and I wanna start veering, there's gonna be this resistance that I feel and it might not be comfortable, but it's the loving hands of Jesus who is saying, no, 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 you're yoked to me. Stay on the course with me. Come on, he's yoked us to himself.
And because we are yoked to Jesus, the burden, though wearisome, doesn't overtake us. And we can continue the chorus. You see, Philippians chapter four, Paul wrote this as well. He says, we can do all things because it's through Christ's strength that we do it. See, God doesn't call us to be righteous and then leave us alone. God doesn't call us to be holy and then abandon us. God doesn't call us to be self-controlled and then just watch us fail. Jesus didn't call Peter on the water and then let him drown. Jesus didn't call the disciples to him and then run ahead of them where they couldn't follow. Jesus didn't ascend to heaven without sending the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't establish his church without promising to build her. And Jesus does not call us out of darkness without yoking us to himself. Jesus has set us free from who we used to be for who we are called to be. Who are you called to be? You can be a man of God. You can be a woman of God. You can be a great father to your kids, even if you didn't have one. You can be a great mother to your kids, even if there, there, there are things that you feel like, you know, like you're still, you are still trying to overcome. Come on, you can be a faithful husband, even though you don't have that track record in your family. Come on, you can be a faithful wife. Come on, you can be a leader to the people around you. Come on, you can be a witness in your workplace. You can do it because Christ didn't call you out of sin and then leave you alone. He called you out and then he yoked you to himself so that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I wanna invite you to stand to your feet this morning and I wanna pray for some people. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? I just have a sense that there's some people in here you desire to walk in freedom, to live in freedom. You hear about this freedom that Christ offers you and it's intoxicating. You recognize there's struggles in your life, there's addictions, there's depression, there's anxiety, there's, there's frustration, there's fear, there's loneliness, there's things. And you know that this isn't what Christ has set you free for. You know that there's more to this life than this and you want freedom. Maybe this morning you, you, you are, feel like you're constantly under the, the weight of guilt and the weight of shame. And, or maybe you're somebody who has always felt like you needed to, to, to earn God's love. Maybe you just know, hey, every time I fall short, I just, I'm, there's so much condemnation and I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if that comes from my upbringing. I don't know where that came from. Listen, there's freedom for you this morning. There's freedom for you this morning. Or maybe some of you, you know that God's calling you to be something else. He's, he's calling you to take a step of faith. He's, you know that he's calling you to be a better husband. You know that he's calling you to be a better wife. You know that he's calling you to, to, to honor your boss. You know that he's calling you to be a peacemaker, yet there's no peace within you and you're filled with anger. And can I tell you, you are free to be who God has called you to be. But it starts with a relationship with Christ. Romans 6, we had no obligation to do right because we couldn't, we were bound to sin. But Jesus came. And for those who put their trust in him, we are set free from that and we can now be the people. If you've been trying to be better, but doing it apart from Jesus, you're just spinning your wheels. If you've been trying to do, to do more and to become more of who you know you're called to be, but you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ yet, you're spinning your wheels. And today is your day to put all of your hope and all of your trust in Jesus Christ and watch what will transform in your life because everything stems from your spiritual life. 
So if that's you this morning and you say, I wanna put my faith and I wanna put my hope in Jesus Christ, I'm gonna count to three. And when I say three, if you can wait that long, raise your hands. And no one's gonna think it's weird. No one's gonna think it's crazy. Most of the people in this room have made that decision and they're praying that you make that decision today as well. And so you would say, hey, today's my day. I'm done doing it on my own. I wanna put my hope and my trust in Jesus Christ, one. Two, I'm not waiting anymore. I'm not waiting any longer. Today's my day. Three, that's you right now. Lift your hand high. You say, I'm putting my hope and my trust in Jesus Christ. Amen. Now we're gonna pray this prayer together. And uh, if you're at home right now, I want you to pray this prayer with us. And there's also gonna be a link that you can click on uh, and a QR code that you can scan that's gonna help us take these next steps with you. But church, let's pray together as those are making a decision to join the family of God. Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. I believe that you died for me and that you rose again. And now I'm trusting you and giving you my entire life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen. Come on, can we celebrate those who made a decision for Jesus? Okay, we're gonna worship in just a moment, but I wanna pray for a few people first. Close your eyes, close your eyes, close your eyes. This is a moment, I, I, in praying for this message, God told me I'm setting people free. I'm setting people free. And for some of you, you already have freedom, but God's gonna remind you and reintroduce you to the freedom that you already have. And so if that's you this morning, you say, there's something in my life I want to be free from. Lift your hand high. This could be shame, this could be guilt, this could be old habits, this could be an old mindset, an old way of life. But you just, you, you know, there's something that I want to, come on, that's so good. So much freedom today, so much freedom. And maybe here this morning, you'd say, hey, there's something I know God wants me to do, something God wants me to be. And I'm gonna trust God right now to really help me do that. Lift your hand high as well. God's calling you to something and you're willing to step out. Come on church, let's begin to pray. Pray for yourself, pray for one another. And then we're gonna begin to worship. God, we just thank you for your love. God, we thank you for your freedom. God, I thank you that you did for me what I could not do for myself. And God, right now, I pray for every person in this room that has a desire to be free from something that has strong, a stronghold in their life. And God, we just say right now, let the reality and the understanding and the revelation of freedom come into the life and the mind and the heart of every believer right now. God, I pray that they would sense and feel the power, God, that you have given them in Jesus' name. We will not be bound by sin any longer. We will not be burdened by the law any longer. We recognize that we have been bought at a high price. The price has been paid for us. And so now we glory in your victory. We celebrate who you are in Jesus' name. And God, I pray that you give faith, that you would give strength, that you would give confidence to those who are trusting you right now in Jesus' name. Come on, let's begin to sing all hail King Jesus. We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.